birding friends this is tassie and this is bill we are coming to you live from french village missouri probably pre-recorded sorry we are at a tiny house airbnb out in a lot that borders the woods we're about 50 miles south of st louis yeah yeah, so we decided we needed to get out of our house, away from our cats who were trying to kill each other all the time, and do some birding. Yeah. So we picked this place because it seemed peaceful. It says tiny house, but it's like 600 square feet, and it's pretty spacious. So we are on the edge of woods and also next to a big brushy field. Mm -hmm. It's kind of perfect. And Bill is currently cooking some steaks. We had kind of a tough week. That's why we didn't put out an episode last Thursday. I think the stress of quarantine is really getting to us, as well as the stress of opening up again and the worries that come with it. Bill isn't quite finished with his semester. Not quite. There are just a few things that didn't feel great, and so we didn't do much last week. But we're here. We have eight birds to talk about, and basically our plan is to talk about as many of them as we can until we get tuckered out. Okay. Okay. Do you want to say um, any updates from the backyard, things that you saw at our house? Do we already talk about Stubby? We haven't talked about Stubby came upon in the backyard a very recently fledged cardinal mm -hmm. with our familiar parents Clarence and Clarice mm -hmm. and it was really stubby. It is very short. Very short but it has a little crest. It's brown not really red yet at all. Mm -hmm. He's very young and so we decided to name him Stubby after Stubby Clap of Cardinals semi-fame I guess. St. Louis Cardinals semi-fame. Yes. I was actually interestingly enough at the game where Stubby Clap had his first major league at bat in the old Bush Stadium? Yeah. And you could say I was at the game where Stubby the Cardinal had his first at bat at life outside the nest. Yeah, and Clarence got a little bit mad at you, right? He thought you were showing too much attention. I was showing too much attention, or at least any attention was too much attention. So you were appropriately chastised. So I was given the alarm scolding call by mm -hmm. both parents. Mm -hmm. But this little dude did not look like he should have been out of the nest. He didn't, but that I think is how it goes yeah. in the real world. I have not seen Stubby since four or five days ago, but I have heard what I think sounds like a juvenile cardinal begging. And they only brood one at a time. There's only one bird, right? Not necessarily, but that does probably mean that they only got one from their brood. Okay. And they'll probably have another. They'll have another. And hopefully we'll see Stubby as he matures and becomes a real force for the St. Louis Cardinals. Indeed. Yes. What position did Stubby Clap play? Good question. I know. I, <laughs> I think feel like he, he was shortstop or something. He's the third base coach now? Oh, is he? Stubby, stubby. We'll make sure of that before. So this is fun because we're actually watching birds as we're recording. Mm -hmm. It's still daylight and we're sitting and looking into like this clump of brush where a few minutes ago we saw a male and female indigo bunting pair. And the indigo bunting is one of the birds we're planning on talking about. Also, I feel like part of the reason we didn't record last week was that we had a really harrowing experience. Oh, yeah. Bird watching. So we went out last Saturday to Cronulla Park. It was beautiful. And we had a good 45 minutes of watching birds, saw a lot of species, and then we're like, oh, look, look, here's this um, red-tailed hawk. Cooper's hawk. Cooper's hawk. Here's this Cooper's hawk sort of swooping down. What is it doing? It's, oh my God! Yeah. It's killing a dove yep. right in front of us. Yep. And it's not even like it strikes and then the dove is dead. It like goes and stomps on it a few times. Oh, more than a few times. And feathers are flying and it moves it from branch to branch. Probably moving it from branch to branch because I was there. But... Okay. Well, Bill stayed and took pictures and I went off to look for warblers because I'm not into that. I mean, that's nature, you know? It but still isn't nice to see. It still isn't nice to see. And it, like, doves are just dumb. The doves are pretty dumb. 
They're just like, I'm going to sit here on a branch out in the open. I have really squeaky wings. They just sit in the pavement in our backyard and in the middle of the yard. And they just lay, they just sit out there right out in the open. And oh. I feel like most of the like tufts of blood and feather you see are dove or were dove. I will say that it does, in my limited experience, if I come upon a Cooper's hawk with prey, it is a morning dove or a pigeon. So today we had my ninth outing and we saw 35 total birds, which is pretty good because there's no water around here. So we mm -hmm. didn't see any of the like waterfowl or shorebirds. And we also didn't see any of what Bill calls trash birds. There were no starlings. No or grackles. House, or no sparrows. Yeah. I also wanted to make note of the 115 birds listed in my Birds of Missouri book. I have now seen 61. Very good. In my six weeks. And I've seen several that aren't in the book, including some we've talked about on the podcast. So mm -hmm. my lifetime list grows mm -hmm. and I've only been birding for about six weeks. The first bird we saw today that I wanted to talk about is the Eastern Kingbird. Mm -hmm. I have that they got this phrase because they have an attitude like they perch on tall branches and they live in open fields and kind of have no fear with other birds. They seem very confident. But I reject that because they have a bouffant, and so I think they're named after Elvis. That's true. They also have a very Elvis thing going on. Mm -hmm. Maybe they were named before Elvis? Probably, yes. Yeah, because their Latin name has Tyrannus in it, which means king. Mm -hmm. The eastern kingbird is about eight inches long. It is a summer bird here in Missouri, and it is monomorphic. It has a black head, and apparently it has a concealed red crown. I'm not sure I knew that. It lives in open fields and prairies, so we saw it up at the field at the top of our little rental property here where there's just kind of high grass. It perches on tall branches to watch for insects and it has a behavior called hawking which is where it has a perch and then it leaves the perch to go catch prey and then it comes back to the same perch. Mm -hmm. In terms of appearance it is black and white. It has a black head, black back, black wings and it has a white chin and belly and then it has a white band at the bottom of its black tail and then its head it's sort of the picture for this episode I'm pretty sure is going to be one Bill got before of a kingbird where it just it looks like it has a Looks like it has a wig on. Anything else to say about the kingbird? I mean, there are probably 10 of them. Oh. I just heard the call of our next bird, who I have decided to call the electrofarter. Mm -hmm. The American electrofarter. The American electrofarter. It is the blue-winged warbler. The blue-winged warbler. Mm -hmm. And this guy is warbler size, so he's four to five inches in length. Not that big. They are migratory. They're summer birds here. I think you were saying that he mates here, like in fields just like this. Well, according to the book, they are found in open second-growth woodlands or in clearings with dense but varied undergrowth of weeds and shrubs. Perfect. Which I think is a perfect description. Live right here, yeah. The Latin name is Vermivora cyanoptera. Hmm. I bet cyanoptera means blue-winged. I bet it does. That's um, what four years of Latin gets you. Because bees are hymenoptera, and so their wings are made of membranes. Lots of um, medicine is Latin-based as well. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we speak Latin together. It's like foreplay. It's yeah. pretty hot. It's pretty, okay, so back to the blue ring warbler. They're monomorphic with the exception that... I thought the female eye stripe was a little bit weaker when I was looking at pictures. That is true. They have a yellow greenish head, but a bright yellow uh, chest and belly. And they have a black beak that extends back into an eye stripe. And then they have blue gray wings with two distinct wing bars. They're really cool looking. They are cool looking. We were hearing the buzzy fart sound, which we will put in here because Bill got a good recording of it.
and we're like it has to be in this tree and we were standing there looking at the tree and i just put up my binoculars and started scanning and it was smacked up in the middle of the tree just like front and center just sitting there and you were saying bill that when you see these guys in crondola park they're hard to see they like don't stay still well when i see them in the city i think it's clear that they are on their way somewhere they're only passing through whereas i think we are here in their habitat and so i feel as though there's a good chance that they're here for the summer to breed they're like they're at the clubs right now <laughs> they're not just in the uber on the way to the club that's right they're here they're ready to play right they are sexed up and they're ready to electro fart at any time <laughs> okay i have that they live in brush at the ed edge of woods that they have a buzzy song that they dangle from shrubs and they feed upside down in a sort of nut hatch type behavior we didn't see that today no that's just what the book said also that they migrate in mixed species flocks they also hybridize with the other vermivora species, oh. which is the golden-winged warbler. Okay. And, and so do they make a green-winged warbler when they hybridize? It actually, the hybrids are so common that they have their own names. Oh. What's that? Well, that was lovely. Indigo bunting. Hello, indigo bunting. Flying out and singing us a song. Indigo Montoya. Oh, and he's nice and blue there on the top of the tree. Mm -hmm. I was going to make a joke that when you mix yellow and blue, you get green. That's what I got from elementary school art. Ah, uh, yes. Yes, okay. So the hybrid? The hybrids are so common that they have their own names. One is the Brewster's Warbler and the other is Lawrence's Warbler. Who is Mr. Lawrence Brewster? Um, they're hybrids of golden-winged and blue-winged warblers. Okay. Anything else about this little dude? Just that they're awesome. Bill was very excited about seeing them, and they are chippy little birds. Mm -hmm. Okay. So going on, this is the opposite of a chippy little bird. And we didn't actually see this guy like we usually see birds. We just saw him soaring. Lots of them, probably four or five, just all around. And sometimes at very great heights. This is the bum bum ba turkey, turkey vulture. vulture. Which, as it soars, seems like big ass and majestic, but it is an ugly ass bird. I think it can kind of be charming when you see it up close sometimes. Okay, so let's describe this bird. It is 26 <laughs> to 32 inches. It can have a wingspan of up to six feet. Okay, and I'm going to describe it like sitting first and then soaring. It is monomorphic. It has a black to like brownish body and wings, but then it has red legs with sort of white feet and red toes, and then it has a red head with an ivory bill. And on its face in front of its eye is like this thing that looks like it got an egg thrown at it, and its head is tiny. And it has no feathers on its head. Yeah. And Bill, so tell me about the charm of the turkey vulture. I don't know, just that they have this maybe old person character to them. Oh, that's interesting. But I also have that in contrast to hawks, their feet are weak. They're much more made for walking than for grasping. Right, because they're not killing their prey. So these are vultures. A lot of people in America call vultures buzzards. Mm. So you might hear turkey buzzard. Is it Phoebes? Bobbing their tail. Oh, hi Phoebe. Hi Phoebe. There's a Phoebe that- Oh, you are beautiful. Likes to hang around where we're hanging around by the fire. Okay, so they call them buzzards. We had an experience of why they were called turkey vultures. Because remember a month ago or so, we were taking our first drive out into the country because we were tired of being quarantined. Mm -hmm. We came around a corner and I was like, oh, there's a turkey in the road. And it was a vulture, a turkey mm -hmm. vulture. Mm -hmm. So I think that from a distance. Yeah, because they are big with little heads like turkeys. Yeah, in the same general brown black color. Mm-hmm. 
Except turkeys don't have red heads. Don't they? I don't. Maybe they do. I don't know. So, but to describe it soaring, which is what we saw today, it is a large bird and it has these two-tone wings from underneath where mm -hmm. they have the black leading edge and then they have gray on the trailing edge and on the tail. And they have sort of finger-like projections on the tips of their wings. Yeah, they do. And you can see the red head apparently, although I didn't really appreciate it. They went up really high. They went up super high. I feel like when they're down low, they look huge. And then when they're up high, it's like... Like, is that an airplane? I mean, they are everywhere mm -hmm. in Missouri in the spring and summer. Do you see them at, or in the urban areas? They're all over the place. And, and I think a lot of people will sort of remark to me that they've seen them and then they think that they are eagles or hawks. Are eagles also scavengers? Eagles are scavengers. They're not consummate scavengers, though. Like, they don't have to. Right. An eagle can obtain its own prey, I believe. Because its feet aren't weak. The reason that its head has no feathers is because... It, it would get gross goop in it? Yeah, because oh. it's, it's constantly in carcasses. That is disgusting. Mm -hmm. Oh my god. I don't know if we said at the beginning, I think that everybody's familiar with what a vulture is, but that a vulture <laughs> is a scavenger of dead... Meat. Meat. Carrion. Yes. So mm -hmm. they're very common, even in urban areas. Just look up sometime. But still it would be less disturbing, I feel, to see like a turkey vulture picking at some carcass than it would to see the hawk kill a dove. Yes. Like it was the act of killing that was so disturbing. Because the set minute before, the, the dove, dove was just doo -dee doo -dee doo Well, and then you said with some of the pictures you took of it, it was like it still had that happy face on. Like, it did. I'm a dove, my face is frozen like this, even though I'm dying right now. Yeah, that's right. But not to revisit. I was just excited this whole time we birded. But this guy was awesome. It was the pileated woodpecker. This dude is huge. Yep. And he like flew right over our heads and then like landed on a tree. And then I said, oh my God. And then he flew away. Dryocopus pileatus. Yes. So they are 19 inches in size. They are very slightly dimorphic because the female has a little bit less red than the male. And I'll describe their color pattern soon. And they are year round residents, except not up by my hometown in Missouri. Sorry about that. Because I guess that they live in woods, like densely forested yes. and like deep in the woods. We actually, to see this guy, had to go on this little like wooded AT. TV trail. Uh -huh. And we were fairly deep into it when he flew overhead. But yeah, my hometown doesn't have trees. It's farmland. I mean, it has some trees, but not like forests. It's more prairies. It's more prairies, yeah. To describe, they have a bright red crest. They have a gray bill. And then they have sort of the chevron pattern on their face. And the male has this little like mustache on its cheek patch of red. <laughs> so the female, her nose area is black and she doesn't have the mustache. And so that's their difference in coloring. They have a white leading edge on their wings so it kind of looks like their little like shoulder area or their collar and then they have black back and wings and black feet and i have that pileatus um means wearing a cap oh because they have the nice red crest mm -hmm. i have that they excavate cavernous holes for insects so sometimes they'll be like feet long these craters that they build tassie do you remember being in south carolina last year mm -hmm. i have a video of it and watching a pileated woodpecker go to town for like two minutes while we watched and i'm sure it was at it much 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 longer than that right but it like was so dedicated to its work that it didn't mind us no for a it couple didn't minutes. we didn't bother them at all so those are the birds that we saw today the selection we decided to talk about other remarkable birds that we saw summer tanager a white-breasted nuthatch a white-eyed vireo mm -hmm. with its funky call that will be our featured bird sometime soon yes so now do we want to go back and talk about the birds from our eighth outing do so we need to put another log on let me get this one 
was one week ago to Carondelet Park and we saw 39 species in total. The first one we're gonna talk about is the yellow-throated vireo. So this is obviously in that vireo class that we talked about with the, um, what is it, the blue-headed vireo, the Ira glass bird. Mm -hmm. Yes. And so they're small with a slighter big head. It has an awesome Latin name. What is it? Vireo flavifrons. Flavifrons. Or flavifrons. Or flavaflav. Mm -hmm. This is the flavaflav bird. Vireo flavorflav. Mm -hmm. So they are five inches long. They're monomorphic. They are summer residents of Missouri. Mm -hmm. And they have an olive green head, but they have bright yellow spectacles. So that cute little eye marking like the blue headed does. And they have a yellow throat and chest, but a white belly. And then they have gray wings with two wing bars. Mm -hmm. They hang out way high up in trees. Mm -hmm. I didn't have much more about their behavior. Well, apparently they will breed pretty much in the entire eastern half of the United States. Yeah. They're not Get it, vireos. on their way to Canada like some of the other vireos are, such as the blue-headed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Vireo flavor flaves. I like this. Although I feel like the white-throated vireo makes sounds more like reminiscent of experimental rap artists. Well, you hear the sounds of the white-headed vireo. Yeah. It's going to change your life. Okay, so the second bird that we saw is the indigo bunting. These guys are beautiful. And this is a bird we've, we've seen, seen multiple today times today. Yeah. Well. They are five and a half inches long, so slightly larger more like sparrow size. And they are dimorphic because the female, instead of being like super blue, is light brown. Mm -hmm. And they're summer residents of Missouri. They tend to live in woodland edges and they feed on insects. And they are just a vibrant, vibrant blue. Yes, they are. They're the brightest blue thing, even brighter than the blue jay. And it's deep. It's like, it's indigo. <laughs> it's like, well, I've forgotten and, that was what's name. And there's, I mean, they are all blue. Mm -hmm. So blue jay, eastern bluebird, a lot of the other bluebirds are only partially blue. This mm -hmm. bird was just dipped in blue. Dipped in blue. And I feel like its head is really particularly intense blue. It has a gray beak and a black eye. And a lovely song that you probably couldn't make out, but I just heard in the distance. Do you have a recording of it? No, I don't. Okay. But right now, if you heard anything, you're probably hearing the electro fart. Electro fart. There it is. What does it sound like? Okay. Hmm? It's pretty. So often they're not that hard to see, or at least the males, like a lot of birds, will go up to the tops of trees to get the most right. sonorance for their song. I think I have an article prepared about this that I'll tweet. Like other blue birds, there is not blue pigment. So the sun has to hit them in the right way for the that blue to true. come through. They will look very dark sometimes. Mm -hmm. Didn't we see, didn't you say it was a juvenile indigo bunting out the window this morning? We did. It was so beautiful. So it was basically, juvenile looks like a female, so tan. But this bird was probably 70% tan and 30% blue. So the blue was coming in. Mm -hmm. And they can look all different grades between tan and blue. Mm -hmm. Okay, so now on to our exciting spotting from the 2nd of May. I'm very excited about this bird because it's special to St. Louis and I like things that are special to St. Louis because St. Louis needs to feel special once in a while. <laughs> so this is the Eurasian tree sparrow. The Eurasian tree sparrow. Um, special shout out to Dan Zetlock. Made this wonderful piece of art that we have in our house. It's a poster about the Eurasian tree sparrow. Mm -hmm. Passer Montanus. 
interesting. So the story does not live, cannot be found in Montana. Right. The story is that in 1870, there were 20 of these from Germany that were released like in St. Louis, right? That is correct. So it just exists in like the greater St. Louis area, pretty much. It's spread a little bit, even as far as Iowa north, but still it is basically just a blob that kind of goes a little bit north from St. Louis up into Iowa. It's like the blob of and people who claim Provel cheese. Maybe even a little bit beyond that. Okay. We might be getting into uh, cheese curd territory. Okay. It's kept in check by the house sparrow because they're generally a little bit more aggressive. The house sparrow is Passer domesticus. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you should describe it and then okay. I'll talk about it. So they are five to six inches. So about sparrow sized because they are sparrows. Sorry. I'm not that drunk, I don't think. They are sparrows, but they are not related to new world sparrows. Because they're old world sparrows. That is correct. Boom. This is a European bird. You're, it's a European bird as it also says in the name. Mm -hmm. I'm just gonna missed up. Okay. It is a year-round resident of Missouri, St. Louis specifically, and it is monomorphic. It has a brown cap and wings, and it has a light brown to tan chest and belly, a black throat, and then the thing that differentiates it from the house sparrow is that it has a black ear patch. Mm -hmm. It's very cute. And for anybody that isn't from the Eurasian tree sparrow zone in America. Did you say America? In America. Mm -hmm. It looks a lot like a male house sparrow, except a little bit smaller. And it has a rufous cap instead of a gray cap. And the oh, aforementioned... British brown, yeah. And the aforementioned ear Cheek spot. patch thing. And the thing that is fascinating to me as an amateur birder, and I'm not a biologist or a taxonomist, but that how birds that are as closely related as the house sparrow and Eurasian tree sparrow, how one of them, the very familiar house sparrow, is extremely dimorphic. Mm -hmm. Like the males and females look quite different. Wait, so is the house sparrow also related to European sparrows then? The house sparrow is a European or Eurasian species. Okay. Although it now lives in most parts of the world where humans live. Okay. But anyway, these two birds that are so similar looking and so related, the Eurasian is, is monomorphic. Mm -hmm. So like, how did that happen evolutionarily? That's my question. Well, I mean, for some reason it benefited that species to right. have. That's interesting. It's and just I'm assuming they were dimorphic when they were introduced here. Like, it's not like when you see them in Eurasia that they're not or anything. House sparrow is dimorphic mm -hmm. and Eurasian tree sparrow is monomorphic. So maybe, maybe the house sparrow's dimorphism somehow makes it better able to dominate. And maybe that's part of why the Eurasian tree sparrow can't spread. Possibly. I mean, the Eurasian was able to take, as they say, as I say. In other words, it, it has succeeded in surviving in America, just in a relatively small area. Right. Whereas, but it doesn't have dominance over that area. Well, no. I mean, even in that area, the house sparrow is still dominant. Mm -hmm. And then the, the last bird that we had, which I think is just pretty, is the green heron. Green heron. So to put this dude's, um, so this is a water bird, a shore um, bird. Oh, that's a good question. I don't know. But to put its size in context, the pileated woodpecker is 19 inches and the green heron is 16 to 22 inches. I guess that's how big the pileated woodpecker is. That's what I'm trying to say. So the green heron is the smallest of the American herons. What does heron mean? A green heron, like other herons and also egrets, are wading birds. Okay. And the green heron is the smallest of the American wading, wading birds. birds. Okay. 
Okay. It is a summer bird in Missouri and it's monomorphic. It has a bluish green on its crest and into its wing, but the crest and head are darker. I'm not crest, I'm sorry. Oh, crest, yeah. Mm -hmm. I didn't see it with its crest up. It's darker, almost bluish green up top and then it goes into like a lighter brownish green. It's not super green. I think its head is, at least in certain light. It's probably the light thing again. It's sort of a pine green. Okay. So it has a rufous chest and apparently it has bright orange legs during breeding season, but they're yellow otherwise. Hmm. We saw one with orange legs, so. Is that time of year? Mm-hmm. It tends to wait along shore for fish and aquatic insects. And sometimes it places objects on water to attract fish. So it's hmm. kind of like a fly fisher. Anything else about the green heron? One thing I would say about herons in general, just think it's one of these birds that surprises a lot of people when they're just at a park or something and they see a heron and they see it grab a fish out of the water. I think it's really cool. It's just one of those birds that is extraordinary and is right around all of us for everybody to experience. I should mention that its beak is long and it has a yellow eye. Okay. It has one of those piscivorous beaks. I wanted to take a short interlude to talk about tick protection, which is a big thing, especially if you're going to be out birding where we were today. They are insects, so they're six-legged, and they tend to live in brush and woods, and they get on you when you walk around, and that's a problem because ticks carry diseases that can be really bad for humans, specifically um, where I trained in residency was like deep in Lyme disease country. So if someone had a tick, we like knew how to remove it. We knew how to give them medication to prevent it. Here in Missouri, Missouri, our main tick-borne illnesses are actually ehrlichiosis and Rocky Mountain spotted fever, sort of a family around there of all bacteria that start with rickettsii. Basically, my advice would be if you're going to go into brush or into the woods to watch birds, wear long pants. If you can, tuck your pants into your socks. If not, wear socks that go up higher than your pants and tuck your pants into your boots. I think, honestly, the legs is probably the way that most ticks get on people. I think long sleeves are also a little bit important for ticks and wear bug spray. It's better to use DEET than to die of Rocky Mountain spotted fever, which is a bad, bad thing. It causes renal disease, heart disease. People go on dialysis and they die of it. So watch for ticks. I made Bill before we went into the deeper Russian woods today tuck his pants into his socks and then we got back inside and what did you find, Bill? Two ticks. On his socks. Mm -hmm. If you do happen to find a tick, my first piece of advice there would be to look at it and try to identify what type it is and then think about where you are geographically. Think about when you were outside so how long the tick could have been on you. And then take that information and ask a doctor what you should do about it. Particularly if there's a red rash around where you got bit. Didn't mean to get passionate but there was just an article in American Family Physician about tick-borne illnesses so. American Family Physician. It's what I say whenever it comes to my house which is like weekly, twice monthly. I don't even know. I get a lot of them. Uh -huh. Protect yourself from ticks and happy birding. Happy birding. Just a reminder, we are on Apple Podcast as well as Stitcher now. We're on Google Podcast. We have Twitter page, which is at lovebirds underscore pod. Love to have you follow us. Bill has a Instagram page, which is songbill. And he is songbill on Flickr as well. And he has lots of good bird photos. Anything else? Nope. All right. Thanks for listening. And hope to add a little coda to this when we're drunk and listening to a whippoorwill. See you later. And so it begins. The symphony of the whippoorwill. 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 <laughs> and it just goes on like this. And sometimes it kind of speeds up like it's coked up. And then it stops. We just saw it fly.
from a bush down here over to the trees. It makes up and it makes up for the repetition and enthusiasm. <laughs> yes. And stalwart. What's a good pop song that like makes up for sucky lyrics and just being repetitive? Many of them. Oh, he's slowing down instead. We totally stayed out after we were cold and drunk to wait for this to happen. And it's only 820. <laughs> hey folks, this goes on all night. It's true. One started going at like 5 o'clock this morning. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. You thought he paused. You thought. Something got off tempo there. <laughs> All right. This is Bill and Tassie, drunken with the whippoorwill. 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 Bye. <laughs>